Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. Um, happy, happy, happy Golden Friday. Amen. We got through the week. Y'all, we are launched in it right now. We are now turning our face from the early beginnings to the long obedience of the school year. It's going to be great as we come together and we begin to uh, live into the deep rhythms of our community. One of our rhythms is we like to welcome guests. We've got some guests here at chapel today. We want to welcome you. And some of you are looking at Hope College for the first time, and we are so grateful that you're here. And I just want to encourage you to be praying about whether this is a place for you. When you're picking a college, you don't just choose a curriculum or a brand that you put on the back, a sticker to put on the back of your car, although Hope is a really cool sticker. <laughs> you choose a people. And to be in a people who will form you and shape you and walk with you and love you, choose that place. Choose a people, not just a brand name. Amen? So we, hope, we, we just hope you choose Hope. We want to be your people. We want to be your people. Amen. All right. That has not the sermon, but it felt good to say. If you are joining us for the first time in chapel, we have been moving through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 5, verses 7. The Sermon on the Mount, these famous words of Jesus are iconic. They have been traveling down the canyons of time to people in every generation, shaping our collective imagination, challenging us, poking us, inviting us, calling us to be something more, to do something more, to be a different kind of people in this world God so loves. The Sermon on the Mount, the goal of it is to invite us to be a people, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, having a little spiritual warfare. <laughs> to be a people, to be a people marked by the congruence of God's nature, God's will, God's heart, and the kingdom of God. In other ways, that's all right, I got a preacher voice. We want, the Sermon on the Mount's goal is to be a, is, <laughs> it comes down to this. God wants our inner life and our outer life to look the same. God wants the congruence of us living together a life that's consistent, that has integrity. The Sermon on the Mount is a key that unlocks the imaginative gridlock and then sets us free to run wild in that wide open country of salvation. The Sermon on the Mount is an invitation, in other words, into the beautiful life of God. A life that is whole, a life that is flourishing, a life that has integrity, a life like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and in all that we do, we prosper. The Sermon on the Mount is the very words of Jesus, and Jesus is the very word of God made flesh for us and for our salvation. So when we listen to Jesus' words, we are actually rooting ourselves deep in the soil of God's own soul. And that's our goal of the Sermon on the Mount, to be rooted with God so that we can live a life of faith. Not talk about it, live it. Hope College, we want to be a people who live a faith, who activate it in every square inch of our life, not just in chapel, but in the classroom, 
on your teams, at the dorm, at the party, that how you live is congruent. Your inner and outer lives are congruent because you have the heart of God in you. And that's why these words of Jesus are really important and why Jesus' words often challenge and provoke and invite us to explore what that beautiful life is. Today's words are no different. They come from chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. Listen to these words from the book that we love, the bush that burns and is never consumed. Jesus says, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who asks of you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. I say to you, love your enemy. I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what more are you doing than others? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the, uh, the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Mm. Bible got real. Jesus' word calls, challenges, provokes, but invites us to explore the beautiful life. A life where we are rooted in God's own word. And God's word offers us some, I think, words that could not be more relevant for our cultural moment. I can't read these words of Jesus and not think that they cancel cancel culture. When I read these words, I can't take seriously the idea that there is a Christian ethic where we are allowed to write anyone off. That's not to say there aren't things we need to confront. That's not to say that things get a pass. But Jesus challenges us to have a different kind of imagination, a different moral reasoning, a different instinct about how we engage. He names two fundamental things that I think are very important and practical and hard. One is not to retaliate. And the second is to love your enemy. Mark Twain once wrote, it ain't the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. Man, that's hard. Have you ever been wronged? Somebody did something that was just a clear offense, took advantage of you? How did it make you feel? Didn't you want revenge? Didn't you want retribution? Didn't you want justice? Of course you did. An eye for an eye, that's playground justice. And it's really what, on the Western law tradition, so much is built. This happened to you, 
This is a consequence. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's eye for an eye is actually, it's actually a very wise teaching. It is built into most societies in the world as a corrective against overextended abuse and punishment. But Jesus is inviting us into a different way of thinking. Do not resist an evildoer. He gives four examples. Turn the cheek, give away your coat, cloak, walk not only one mile, but two miles. In Jesus' day, uh, a Roman soldier could conscript any citizen and say, carry my gear for a mile. So Jesus is saying, hey, if the soldier comes and asks you to carry the gear, don't go just one mile, go a second mile. Give to anyone who asks of you. Do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Now, of course, I think we have to put this into a context and that requires a localized interpretive imagination. If you are caught, in other words, I wouldn't read this literally. If you are caught, for example, in an abusive relationship, don't turn the cheek. You get out. Do you understand what I'm saying? If somebody comes up in the supermarket and says, hey, give me your keys, don't just hand over the keys to your car. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is that it's better to be wronged than to drink the poison chalice of revenge because revenge makes us ugly and it does things to our soul that poisons us. Do not resist an evildoer. Do not seek retaliation. I'm wondering if there's someone here who needs to hear this. I'm somebody, I, I get protective of the people and the things I love. Uh, something happened the other day, and it was just a clear wrong. There was misinformation, and it just made me mad. And I had to catch myself not wanting to go seek retaliation. Often in our culture right now, we, the first thing we do when we feel wrong is we jump online. We put it on social media. We don't confront the person. We don't talk to the person. We don't seek re re uh, reconciliation. We seek retaliation. Jesus says don't do that. That's the first thing. The second thing Jesus says I think is just amazing. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Now, when he says you have heard that it was said, it is in the Bible, love your neighbor. It's not in the Bible. That's, there's no scripture in the Bible that says love your enemy. So this would have been a kind of cultural kind of uh, consequence of a shared imagination of a people who have been marginalized and oppressed. And so Jesus is challenging uh, his people to say, hey, there's another way of entering than just hating them. Let's love them. Let's pray for them. Let's enter in. Why? So that we can be like God. To be like God's children means that we share God's abundance of love for everyone. There is enough love to go around for everyone. Everyone. And it's so easy to, 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 to kind of classify ourselves by what group or what clique or what um, kind of organizations that we are in, and we can define the other over against. Maybe you don't have an enemy, but maybe there's just people you just don't like. You don't share their politics. You don't share their views, and they just make you mad every time you're around them. Whoever that person is, I want to invite you to think about how you can pray for them, how you can love them, how you can enter into life with them so that you can be like God and share God's life. But my friends, I know that's not easy. G.K. Chesterton once said that the Christian idea has not been 
practiced and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. We need to be a people who are trying to step in and to love our neighbor, but more importantly, love those people that are hard to love. And let that mark our culture as a campus. But here's the good news, is you don't have to do that alone. The good news is, is that Jesus has done this for us. Jesus has lived the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is the one who didn't retaliate. Jesus is the one on the cross who's praying for his enemies. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is Jesus' humanity that gives our humanity back to us. In the church, we call this grace. And grace is the invitation that makes our lives beautiful. Jesus' life is our life. God, Jesus says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And we look to Jesus, not to our moral accomplishments or failures. And so if it's hard, it's okay. Know that you are covered in grace, but we are called to go live differently, to be a different kind of people, a people of hope. That's what we are about. And so wherever you're going this weekend, whoever you're with, be that hope for them. Look to Jesus who covers us in his life. Our goal is to root ourselves in the word who is Jesus and allow the nourishment of his love and his life, of his grace, to nourish us so that we can be like that tree planted by streams of water. You're beautiful. You're going to have a great weekend. It's golden pure Michigan time. Yeah? Amen? Go in peace.